The Bible says that the prophetic word is a light shining in a dark place, yet nobody wants to turn on the light. The Apostle Peter in uh, 2 uh, Peter 1.19 says, We have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you do well to pay attention as to a light shining in a dark place. So what he's saying is you need to study prophecy and pay attention to these things. Our world's a dark place, and uh, prophecy is the ray of light that shines in. Welcome to Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell, Radio for the Remnant, brought to you by Olive Tree Ministries. Today, Jan Markell opens by reviewing some of the most significant stories of the year, and particularly as they relate to what the Bible calls things to come. Then we hope you'll enjoy an uplifting segment reminding us we are one day nearer. Here is today's programming. Welcome to the program. So glad you could join me for the hour. Perhaps some of you will recall that as each year winds down, I like to review and see how Bible prophecy was fulfilled or has elements of fulfillment throughout the year. And I always have way too many options to choose from, and maybe that's a nice dilemma. So we're in a countdown to the close of the church age, and here are my top 10 selections for the year. Now, you're going to note that many of my points are tied to October of 2023, and that should become obvious as to why that is point number one. The world decided that Israel became the international burdensome stone, Zechariah 12.3. Whoever expected this new malady, Israel derangement syndrome, in their lifetime. Now, at the same time, Israel was also celebrated. So we know that the time of Jacob's trouble will be a time of Jew hatred around the world. But in the church age? And this is a hatred of a people based only on identity, a people that has been a blessing to the whole world. I'd like to play a short clip of Dr. Mark Hitchcock talking about this. I want to talk about again on today's program is that the world today is experiencing an avalanche of anti-Semitism. Just this week, some Jewish leaders told U.S. officials, we've never seen anything like this ever. They've never seen anything like this in their lifetime. Uh, there there are, are just waves of global hatred that we see right now on, on full display directed against the Jewish people. In the United States, since October 7th, there's a 400% increase in anti, anti-Semitic incidents. Just since October 7th, 400% increase. Now that's after, in 2022, so this is last year, um, anti-Semitic incidents were up 36%, which was the highest on record. And of course, in 2023, they're up, and now they're massively up in uh, in the wake of this Hamas attack against Israel and Israel's response. Um, Reuters, in uh, one of their articles, you have an article that the heading said, Open Hatred of Jews Surges Globally Inflamed by Gaza War. Uh, One article that I want to quote from a little bit is an article from CNN. It says, A new wave of anti-Semitism threatens to rock an already unstable world. And they're right. I mean, our world today is unstable, and this wave of anti-Semitism is is rocking the world. Let me read a couple of quotes from this. The article begins by saying, history is flashing warnings to the world. Outbursts of anti-Semitism have often been harbingers of societies in deep trouble and omens that extremism and violence are imminent. 
It is also a reflection of destructive forces tearing at American and Western European societies where stability and democracy are already under pressure. So the, the point here is, is that anti-Semitism, when it rises in the world, it's a, it's a warning sign to the world that something bad is coming. And I think in this case, uh, what we can say is I think it's a warning sign that the tribulation uh, may be uh, in the not too distant future. And then I want to add part B to my point number one, and that would be America also featured the largest pro-Israel demonstration in the history of the country in mid-November with nearly 300,000 people marching in Washington, D.C., showing not contempt, but solidarity with the Jewish people, a truly amazing event. Over 200,000 people filled the National Mall to show support for Israel yesterday. People of many faiths and political beliefs were united in their stand for the Jewish nation and against anti-Semitism. Well, the rally came in response to weeks of pro-Palestinian and anti-Israel protests in America and around the world. CBN Washington correspondent Hillary Powell was at the march, and she brings us this report. With a message in song to stamp out hate, organizers say an estimated 290,000 people spoke with their feet, gathering on the National Mall to stand with Israel, condemn anti-Semitism, and call for the safe return of the remaining nearly 240 hostages abducted by Hamas on October 7th. Family members fought back tears to tell their story. My family is being held hostage by terrorists. I am here with you because I love my family, and I promised I would scream to the ends of the earth for them. The March for Israel saw bipartisan endorsement of one of America's closest allies as criticism has intensified over Israel's offensive in Gaza, set off by the Hamas incursion. Overlooking a mass of Israeli and U.S. flags, top congressional leaders, including Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and House Democratic Leader Hakeem Jeffries, joined hands with Republicans House Speaker Mike Johnson and Iowa Senator Joni Ernst. There are few issues in Washington that could so easily bring together leaders of both parties in both chambers, but the survival of the state of Israel and her people unites us together. So global hatred, but in America, national solidarity has been demonstrated. So the enemy comes in like a flood, but God and God's people are pushing back. Point number two at my list for 2023 would be that Israel now longs for peace like never before. And she's going to fall for Mr. Fix-It's peace plan of Daniel 9:27. She just wants to get along with her neighbors, with the Arab world, with the Muslim world with all enemies, and she's had 75 years of conflict preceded by the Holocaust, but with centuries of demonic hatred thrown at her, the Antichrist will be stunning in his deceit of a nation that is longing for peace and security. Decades of war in her land has primed her to long for permanent peace, which no human can offer but a demonically inspired man known as the Antichrist will somehow convince this nation, now totally weary from war, that he will provide this. Moving on to point three in my list of top 10 for 2023. For a significant segment of society, I believe I'm observing that love has grown cold. This is a tribulation reference found in Matthew 24, but we're in a run-up to the tribulation. We're watching 
Large segments of society favor barbarians? Millions have sided with the butchers of Hamas? Really? There are Facebook groups praising Hamas? College campuses know no shame? Jewish students are hiding in secluded areas? Let's go back to those that are defending the butchers of Hamas. I will continue to speak up for Palestinian human rights and use whatever platform I have available to me to call for a ceasefire and, you know, end this occupation that's harming the Palestinians. Do you condemn Hamas's actions on October 7th? I think what I use my platform for and who I condemn was pretty clear by my message. And I think that I will continue to condemn apartheid and military occupation. And that in this moment, I'm focused on calling for an end to genocide and calling for an immediate ceasefire. So, Jesse, when did supporting genocide become hip or cool on college campuses? And do you think they really believe it? Or is this part of the performance activism we talked about? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Some people look like they actually believe it. Other people look misguided, but you'd have to sit them in a room and open their heads up. <laughs> I did not like that. It was like a Batman symbol. When you throw that up on the air and, and you're basically saying, we like ethnic cleansers, we like terrorism. And if you're a Jewish person and you're walking around campus and you see that pro-terror bat signal go up, it's the same thing as having a swastika. Or if you're an African-American student, it's the same thing as having a KKK thing projected on there. Now, I wouldn't expel those students. I'd say this is the first strike. You bring them in. And you say, you do one more thing like this and you're gone. You bring a Jewish person and you sit them across the table from them and you say, this is how this makes us feel. This is a threat to violence when you put that up there. But this should be across the board, Judge. And a lot of conservative students now are saying, how do you think we feel? You can't sometimes even go to a college campus as a conservative and speak without being assaulted. They have to hire private security if you're Charlie Kirk and you want to give a lecture on campus. Jewish students are hiding in secluded areas, and much of the world and even parts of the church are shrugging in indifference? How else can we explain the world's allegiance and even celebration of evil and denunciation of a civilized society other than a spiritual source, a demonic inspiration that a group of people who have been a blessing to the world are in fact worthy of a terrorist onslaught again? A segment of society I'm observing, love has grown cold. That's a forewarning of what will happen in the tribulation in Matthew 24. We're in a run-up to it. Number four, Gog and Magog further aligned as they united against Israel in 2023. So one periodical reports that Turkey's President Erdogan wants to lead the Muslim world against Israel so his country can become a great power. Russia at the same time has pledged to come to Iran's rescue if Israel attacks. The three power players of Ezekiel 38-39 are Russia, Turkey, and Iran. They are aligning more every day and particularly in 2023. And events in late 2023 solidified that union that will happen officially at some time in the future when these nations, and particularly Russia, comes down to seize the spoil within Israel. So watch for further alignment of the Gog-Magog Ezekiel 38-39 alliance in the new year, but my goodness how they aligned in 2023 is just stunning. Point number five in my outline of 10 top stories that manifest in the year 2023 as they relate to the Bible and even more specifically 
to eschatology, that would be the churches slipping further and further into apostasy. Many revealed just terrible theology that has encouraged them to remain silent during Israel's greatest crisis since the Holocaust. Many openly sided with the so-called Palestinians, and the silence of the shepherds has been absolutely staggering and devastating to many church members. Too many of the churches today will not deal with prophecy, with current events, with Israel, and they will not take a stand. So it's time to call out evil. But as I've reported on this program this year, again, the silence of the shepherds when it comes to important issues has been staggering. And this is driven, I believe, mainly by theology, a little bit by politics, which would declare Israel to be a rather insignificant player in our times. I am hearing that people have left their church of years and even decades as a result in the last couple of months. Moving on, this is a very, very encouraging point, I think. Number six, the Jews are coming home in greater number than ever and more are open to the gospel. Since the October 7th Hamas attack, there has been a 149% increase in interest from Jewish French citizens and an 81% increase from North American Jews. And the trauma of uh, Black Shabbat or Black Sabbath, which was October 7th, will leave deep scars on the nation and the people forever. But the crisis is driving the Jews to seek God like never before. Many are leaving secularism, mysticism, and more to call out to the God of the Bible. There are two things that are happening. There is a major return of Jewish people back to Israel right now, like never before. And there is a major exodus of Israelis from hedonism, materialism, and secularism towards spirituality and believe, not just in, not believing in Buddha, but in the God of Israel. Listen, let me show you a photo. In the heart of a war zone, it was so important for the Jewish people to pray. Those soldiers are now, they're more into praying that they brought four bulldozers to create a synagogue that is well protected, and they prayed right there. Look at this, the most amazing synagogue on planet Earth, all made of four gigantic bulldozers because the war will not stop them from praying. If that's not enough, almost every building they're entering right now where they stay, they place a mezuzah on the doorposts. And if that's not enough, in order, if they know they're going to stay there for a while, they, they just open a synagogue in Beit Hanun. I'm a bit teary because you have to understand something. This country was running away from God. I mean, they were about to kill each other for a public prayer in the streets of Tel Aviv just two days before the massacre. On the day before the massacre, the Supreme Court was, it had to rule whether Jews are going to pray out, you know, outdoors in Tel Aviv. And today, today, they are flocking, flocking to believe and to pray and to get stronger and stronger. Now, some of you might say, yeah, but they don't, they don't believe in Jesus. Yeah, but you have to first believe in God. You have to first believe in the word of God and that later on I can show you through the word of God who the Messiah is. That was our good friend Amir Sarfati, Israeli Bible teacher and prophecy teacher. You're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Jan Markell. Every year about this time, I like to review some 
top stories that have taken place in the year, looking back, particularly stories that I think are rooted in the Bible that would be in the category of prophecy that's coming more and more to be fulfilled as we wind down the church age. So I'm just giving a quick lineup of the 10 top stories. Again, there are far more than 10, but these would just be the 10 that I have focused on. And again, as I said in my introduction, a lot of them play off of the terrible tragedy that took place October 7th, Israel versus Hamas. Moving on, I've covered six points. I'm moving on here to point number seven. That would be the rise of strong delusion, Second Thessalonians 2. I just see it intensifying. I see it abounding. Some examples here. The Biden administration continues to give Iran billions and billions of dollars. This is delusional, folks. The White House expresses deep concern about Islamophobia, but not anti-Semitism. What thinking mind comes to this conclusion? Only a deluded mind, just steeped in strong delusion. The Biden administration gives hundreds of thousands of dollars to U.S. mosques. Really? We have seen young people praise Osama bin Laden in spite of the reality of radical Islam. A disturbing document written two decades ago by the mastermind of the 9-11 attacks is resurfacing on one of the biggest social media platforms in the country. Osama bin Laden's infamous letter to America, which condemns the United States for its support of Israel, is now going viral on TikTok, and it appears to be gaining sympathy. Of all the things you could never imagine, the words of al-Qaeda's former leader ringing true with some TikTok influencers who are encouraging others to read it for themselves. We'll get reaction from Charlie Hurd on how the twisted rhetoric is erupting here in the United States. But first, let's get to William Lajeunesse. He's live in Los Angeles for us. William, what led to these viral videos? Well, it all started, Sandra, with a 25-year-old L.A. influencer whose TikTok post on the bin Laden letter went viral. So Americans watch about 3 billion hours of TikTok every month, a third get their news there, and that's why this incident in the last 24 hours on social media scares a lot of people. The post linked to a letter written by Osama bin Laden 20 years ago on the webpage of a British newspaper. The letter says Jews have no right to be in Israel and blames America for the violence in the Middle East. She says, quote, I need everyone to stop what they're doing right now and go read the letter. Because, quote, I'm going through like an existential crisis. Well, people did. That video got some 2 million views and 200,000 likes, with most saying they too feel angry, manipulated, and lied to by the media and U.S. schools. For someone on TikTok to somehow suggest that this is America's fault or that bin Laden, who killed thousands of innocent Americans, was right is absolutely disgusting and further evidence that we need to ban TikTok. So the conversation then migrated from TikTok over to Reddit and Twitter, where hundreds of thousands agreed with her video and posted similar views on the anti-American letter, with no context on bin Laden, 9-11, or beheadings celebrated by Al-Qaeda. At that point of media consumption, it becomes hard for young people to know that there are disconfirming views out there and so they tend to believe narratives that they are exposed to through social media and through each other. Well, folks, it's just end time, strong delusion, as is the solution in the Middle East is a Palestinian state. That's delusion. Everywhere evil is called good, Isaiah 520, and facts are irrelevant. 
due to the delusion of our day. Only the righteous can see straight. Such strong delusion everywhere. The only protection, folks, is to be grounded in the Word of God, which tells the truth of our day and about the future. Now, moving on to point number eight in my top 10 list for 2023, and that would be the intensified longing for a world leader as the world sees American leadership very, very weak, almost non-existent in the executive branch. And soon the world leaders will line up in Pied Piper-like fashion behind a man with a plan who will guarantee peace and stability as he will reflect the ultimate in global leadership. And we have seen how the world staggers like a drunken fool when it cannot find a leader to follow. It longs to be led, to feel secure in that leadership, and to lean on leaders for international peace and safety. And Israel particularly longs for that leader in light of the leaderlessness of Washington, at least in the executive branch. Moving on to my point number nine in my top 10, and that would be the intensification of perilous times. And that's outlined in 2 Timothy 3. And that would include the intensification of violence and just plain the spirit of the Antichrist. We are warned now, which is a terrifying thought, of October 7th copycat attacks around the world even. America's southern border invites chaos. Rogue nations are threatening with nukes. World war seems inevitable, and the tribulation hasn't even begun. This has all accelerated this year to levels no one thought imaginable. It's like there's an antichrist or a spirit of antichrist on every corner of every capital of the world. Here at home in the United States, FBI Director Christopher Wray yesterday warned the Bureau is seeing a spike in domestic threats. We've got to be on the lookout, especially for lone actors who may take inspiration from recent events to commit violence of their own. Here with what that means for Americans, former FBI Special Agent Nicole Parker. Nicole, thanks for uh, joining us today from Miami. Thank you. Uh, you know, we're, Christopher Ray is talking about look out for lone actors. It just takes one person. It just takes one person who thinks that they have been activated by the home office and next thing you know, it's trouble. That's right. Um, it's obviously a very huge concern right now and all hands on deck across the FBI and in all of law enforcement and intelligence agencies. It is the FBI's top priority to protect the United States from a terrorist attack. Um, I was there the morning of September 11th, and I can tell you it, it definitely hits home for me. And it's extremely important that resources are now shifted. We've heard a lot about domestic terrorism in the last several years. And right now, the FBI, I'm sure, is heavily focusing and shifting resources over to international terrorism. Uh, you know, the lone actor, we cannot underestimate that. That is very difficult for the FBI to track because it's one individual. They may not be linked to a large organization. And a lot of times these lone actors or lone offenders, you know, they're inspired by this. They use this as an opportunity to gain attention. Right. Um, it's, it's very, very dangerous. And it's important for all Americans to have their heads on a swivel and to be aware. The radicalization process right now is very different than it was around September 11th of 2001. If you think about it, we have social media. The online presence is overwhelming now. And so they're going to be using different means right. to recruit individuals to participate in terrorist acts. So we cannot underestimate the lone offender issue. That's you know a serious risk for our country right now. Well, again, the intensification of those perilous times of the last year here of 2023, more perilous, I think than the stunning nuclear conclusion to World War II is what we're facing now. 
and into the future and near future and even distant future. So moving on to number 10 in my top 10 list of stories that I think were notable and particularly notable because they tied to the Bible and to eschatology or Bible prophecy in 2023. And that would be the explosion of global reprobate minds, Romans 1. Things have taken a dark turn unlike anything seen in modern times. The world has become unhinged on a greater level than even in World War II. And people clearly, they've just plain been given over. Up is down, black is white. Men can be women, vice versa. Israel is apartheid, but Hamas are freedom fighters. Normal or godly thinking does not come to these conclusions. Only reprobate mind thinking, which is promised to a last generation, and we are here, Romans 1. Now, I could be listing 110 markers that reveal that the hour is very, very late, and you cannot tell the players without a printed program, and of course, that would be the Bible, the most accurate chronicler of world events that we could ever have been given. And I hope you're reading it on a very, very regular basis. So this has been an amazing year when we see through the lens of the Bible. It is truly a minute to midnight. The church age is coming to a close. In part two of my programming, my guest and I will further remind you that we are one day nearer to Christ's return. Don't go away. Coming right back. An eighth reason to under, uh, study Bible prophecy, and that is it provides understanding of current events. There is no way you can understand and appreciate the decay of society today unless you know what the Bible says about that, unless you know that Jesus said prophesied point blank. The world's going to go in a circle. When I come back, it's going to be just as evil, just as violent, just as immoral as it was in the days of Noah. And we're seeing that happening before our very eyes. Look, uh, uh, put that back on the screen, fellows. The, I want you to look at this Time magazine cover here. Even people who are secular, even people who don't have a spiritual bone about them, recognize the deterioration of society. Here's a whole cover of Time magazine devoted to dirty words in movies and television and radio and the shock jocks and all that. What is our nation coming to, they said. Or consider this, apostasy in the church. Who would ever dream, dream just... 20 years ago that we would live in an age where denominations were endorsing homosexuals as bishops of their churches and even advocating marriage between homosexuals. That is how fast it has deteriorated. It's amazing. I know a bishop of a church of a major denomination who wrote a book about uh, five years ago in which he denied the virgin birth, denied the uh, miracles of Jesus, denied the second coming, and argued that Paul and Timothy were homosexual lovers. You wonder... Why does he even bother? Why does he even bother? More and more we're seeing people like even among people calling themselves evangelicals like the emergent church movement who are just taking the word of God and throwing it out saying, oh, well, you know, there's not really any truth. It's just, you know, we got to be touchy-feely about this and we mustn't be judgmental and, and we mustn't be intolerant and so forth and so on. And truth is going out the window. Reminds me of W.A. Criswell, the former pastor of First Baptist Church who once said, you know, the more I look around at the apostasy of the church, I've come to the conclusion that most people believe that the only part of the Bible that's inerrant and inspired is that part they agree with. You know, if, it's, if I agree with it, it's inspired. If I don't agree with it, it's not inspired. We've got to throw that out. Cut that out. Get the scissors. Chop on it. That's where we are today in the apostasy of the church. Or consider the Middle East. I, I think as, as Bill 
clearly illustrated to you. There is no way, no way you can even begin to understand what is going on in the Middle East today unless you know something about the history of Israel from the Word of God, the promises of God to Israel, the fact that Israel has an everlasting covenant there uh, for that land that, that, that God has never taken away. The deed to that land belongs to them. And, and, and you, you can't understand all the conflict that's going on there, there today unless you get into Bible prophecy and suddenly your eyes will be opened and you will be understanding things that you never understood before. Welcome back, and I'm going to be joined in a moment by author and Harvest House editor Steve Miller. We're going to revisit a familiar topic. That's why I wanted David Reagan to introduce this segment, because how on earth can we understand anything, more specifically the Middle East, without a good understanding of what the Word of God says about the last days? We're carrying a couple of Steve Miller's books we featured him a couple of years ago on one book, Four Shadows, 12 Mega Clues That Jesus' Return is Nearer Than Ever. And now we have carried for several months, One Day Nearer, Daily Devotions in Anticipation of Jesus' Glorious Return. And this book features daily devotions for one year that reflect on just that, Jesus' Glorious Return. It is so encouraging, folks, when we see all these dark headlines. By the way, the book has great endorsements, Dr. Mark Hitchcock, Dr. Ron Rhodes, Jeff Kinley. I'll say more about Steve and his contact as we move into the program. Steve Miller, welcome back to the program. Hi, Jan. It's great to be back with you. Here's the opening question I'm posing, Steve. The topic you write about and the topic that I hold dear and do some writing about as well, a lot of people are running away from it. Awful lot of people in the pews don't want to address it, but I mean, worse than that, the pastors want to run away from it. It's such an encouraging subject matter. In times like we're going through now when we see such incredibly, unspeakably dark news, I don't know what I would do without understanding that the king is in control, but more importantly than that, he's coming back again. So why do you think they're running the other direction? Many Christians, they run away from Bible prophecy because they think it's too hard to understand. Or maybe they've been exposed to the sensationalism that surrounds it. Or maybe they've been exposed to the debates and the controversies that surround Bible prophecy. But when you think about it, there are other important topics in the Bible that are difficult to understand, that require careful study, and that also have controversy surrounding them. But that doesn't mean that we should avoid them. If anything, it means that we should dig in, become serious students of the Word, divide it carefully, and figure out what is God teaching us. Bible prophecy was included in the Bible by God himself. It came from him. And one of the most important responsibilities we have as Christians is to love God's word and to let it dwell richly in us. And that includes Bible prophecy. So we have to think of Bible prophecy as something that came from God himself. He gave these prophecies to inform us and to encourage us, to give us hope about the future. Without prophecy, we wouldn't have that hope. And if we love God, then we will love the prophecies he has given us. You reference sensationalism, you reference fear. Those are very valid points. There's probably another dozen or so. I remember back into the 1980s, I believe there was a book titled 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Returning in 1988. Didn't happen. I think Edgar Wisenhunt came back a year later. 89 Reasons Why He's Coming in 1989. Then we had Harold Camping, who made some similar far-out predictions, of course, none of which come true. And I don't blame a pastor for wanting to run the other direction from that. But those aren't the only commentators we have. We have such outstanding men who have been commenting from 
Tim LaHaye, too. You and I could name all sorts of them. Mark Hitchcock, Ron Rhodes, a number of scholars that do a fantastic job. I wish folks would focus on those folks instead of the strange ones that came out with far-out predictions, which the Bible says we shouldn't be doing that anyway. As you said, there's the fear factor. And Steve, I think there's another factor that we have to consider, and that is the seminaries basically no longer teach this topic. That's correct, Jan. And what's unfortunate is a lot of people let their perceptions about prophecy be shaped by things outside of God's Word. But it's interesting what happens when you go into God's Word and you let God's Word speak for itself about Bible prophecy. For example, in 1 Thessalonians 4, when Paul wrote about the rapture, he said, we do not want you to be uninformed about this. So to hold back Bible prophecy is to keep Christians uninformed. In Revelation 1-3, we are told, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear. So Bible prophecy is meant to bless us. If we hold it back, then we're holding back blessing. In 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17, we're told that all Scripture is profitable for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And that includes Bible prophecy. So to hold back Bible prophecy is to keep us from being complete and equipped for every good work. And in Scripture, we see Jesus himself teaching Bible prophecy. So if Jesus wasn't afraid of Bible prophecy, we shouldn't be either. He didn't hold back, so we should imitate his example. And Bible prophecy is very practical for us, because what we know about the future helps to shape how we live today. And within Bible prophecy, we see God's character made manifest. God shows us information about himself in Bible prophecy, and he shows us information about Christ. And so the more we read Bible prophecy, the more we learn about God, and the more we learn about Christ and the closer we're able to draw to them because we know them better. I want to play one more clip to complement what we're talking about before I move into some current events as well. I want Ed Heinsohn, Mark Hitchcock, and Ron Rhodes, they're on the John Ankerberg program, to comment on exactly what we're talking about. The first one is from people that are in churches where their pastor never preaches on prophecy. In fact, some of their leaders have said, it's not important to speak on prophecy. Don't study it. Don't teach it in the Sunday school class. Don't worry about it. What would you say to them, Ed? Well, one-fourth of the Bible is prophetic in nature. If we're going to preach the whole counsel of God, you have to deal with Bible prophecy. I'm always amazed. The Apostle Paul, in the book of Acts, went to the town of Thessalonica. There were no Christians there. He only spent three weeks in Thessalonica. He preached the gospel. People were saved. He planted a church, and he taught them Bible doctrine, including prophecy because he said in his second letter to them in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 5, Don't you remember when I was with you, I taught you all these things. And in the context, he's talking about Bible prophecy. If it was important enough for Paul in three weeks to teach them about salvation and the doctrine of Christ and the doctrines of God, etc., and salvation and prophecy, then it's part of what we need to be teaching as well. In the Bible, there are... 23,000 verses in the Old Testament, for example. Over 6,000 of them contain prophetic material. Almost 8,000 verses in the New Testament. 1,700 of them contain prophetic material. Uh, Of the entire Bible, almost 28% of it is prophecy. You can't avoid that and still preach the whole counsel of God. Yeah. Ron? Let me just say that on a personal note, prophecy also has a tremendous evangelistic value. You see, I became a Christian because for the first time in my life, 
I was educated on Bible prophecy. So it's not just a matter of understanding the future, it's life-changing as well. And one of the things that we learn from the Bible is that prophecy involves direct revelation from God. Uh, allow me to share a verse with you from 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21. Prophets didn't originate the message, God did. And the verse says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, John, that word carried along in the Greek is very forceful. You might recall in Acts 27 where Paul was on a ship and the ship was headed for a shipwreck because the wind was so strong. The men on board were doing everything they could to control that ship, but ultimately it was the wind that was controlling the direction of the ship. That's the word borne along. The ship was borne along. And in the same way, the writers of Scripture were forcefully borne along by the Holy Spirit. So yes, men were involved, like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, but because they were borne along by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit guaranteed no errors in their writings. And again, on a personal note, it was the first time I understood that the Bible was the Word of God after understanding Bible prophecy. Yeah. You know, Mark, 1,800 verses in the Bible deal with the second coming of Christ. In the New Testament, 318 verses deal with the second coming. And that means every 25th Bible verse in the New Testament refers to the second coming of Christ. I can't see anybody saying to God, this is not important, this stuff that you gave to us. Well, yeah, God tells us it's important. He really, He commands it. Study. Bible prophecy proves who God is. Uh, really, it's, it's the main proof of the truth of the Bible because only someone who's outside of time and space and someone who's uh, sovereign over this world can predict the future. Now, Isaiah 45, 21 says, Who foretold this long ago? Who declared it from the distant past? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none but me. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, my mouth is uttered in all integrity, a word that will not be revoked. In Isaiah 46, verse 9, I am God, there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do uh, all that I please. So what, what God prophesies, He brings to pass. Uh, the Apostle Peter in uh, 2 uh, Peter 1.19 says, We have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you do well to pay attention as to a light shining in a dark place. So what he's saying is you need to study prophecy and pay attention to these things. Our world's a dark place, and uh, prophecy is the ray of light that shines in. One other thing I think is fascinating, prophets in the Old Testament studied prophecy. Uh, the prophet Daniel tells us in Daniel chapter 9 that he was reading the prophet Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. So we have the example of the saints of old who studied prophecy, and we should follow their example. Absolutely. You know, one of the great things in Isaiah is that uh, Isaiah portrays God as having a contest with the false deities of paganism. And the God of the Bible challenges them. Let me see you tell the future like I can. And that kind of sets the context for the verses that Mark just read. God is the only true God. There is no other. He tells the future from the beginning. Wonderful words of wisdom, Dr. Ed Heinsen, Mark Hitchcock, and Ron Rhodes. You're listening to Understanding the Times Radio, Jan Markell. I have on the line author Steve Miller because we carry his newest book, 
one day nearer daily devotions in anticipation of Jesus' glorious return. 365 days, one devotion a day, folks, focusing on the fact that the King is coming. You can learn more at stevemillerresources.com, stevemillerresources.com. We carry his other book as well, Foreshadows, that would be talking about 12 mega clues, mega trends that Jesus is coming back. Online store, olivetreeviews.org, olivetreeviews.org. Be sure to check out Steve's podcast, and you can find that at stevemillerresources.com. Steve, quick question to you. I see everything deteriorating in the world, and yet your book says that we should look to the last days with anticipation. And I know what you mean by that, but why don't you tell my audience what you mean? The world we live in is falling apart. There are so many problems that we can't keep up with them all. And the Bible tells us it's going to get worse. It's going to become like the days of Noah. And that's what sin does. Sin makes the world a very dark place. But when Christ returns, he will set everything right, and good and righteousness will prevail. He will punish evil, and he will reward good. God's promises about the future are the only source of hope we have in this world. There's no hope to be found anywhere else. The hope that is ahead of us is incredible. And the more we focus on God's promises about the future, the more we will find ourselves lifted up. So this is why it's so important for us to get involved in Bible prophecy. We won't live in fear of what's happening now when we have the assurance of what God will do in the future. And this ties in with all those great clips you play from those great prophecy teachers about the essential place that prophecy has in our lives. And what I do in the very first devotion in One Day Near is I start off by talking about, imagine a Bible with no prophecies in it. So we have no way of knowing about Christ's first coming, that God wants to save us, that Christ is going to return and set things right, that God is going to punish evil, and that there is hope and that righteousness will prevail, and that we have an inheritance waiting for us in heaven. None of that would be revealed to us if there were no prophecies in the Bible. That would be a very dark place to be. So prophecy gives us hope. It lifts us up. It encourages us. It helps us to see the finish line. It helps us to know our final destination, a destination that we can be thrilled about and look forward to. I've been talking, Steve, for several weeks about the terrible ordeal going on in God's land, the crisis in Israel, and the shocking revelation of what happened back on October the 7th. And my guests and I have said on this program that something was unleashed that day from the demonic world, obviously. What were your thoughts as you saw that unfold that day and now several weeks later? My wife and I happened to be at the Prophecy Watchers Conference in Oklahoma at the time. So we were surrounded by a thousand other Christians who love Israel and who all heard the news at the same time. It was kind of like a gut punch for all of us. Everything was very quiet, very somber that morning. The first sessions for the morning were canceled, and we all gathered together in one big room to get caught up on the news, to understand the situation in the Middle East, and to be praying about it. The brutality of what happened, that on this one day, more Jews were killed since the Holocaust. Nothing like it. We see this cruel savagery played out on the nation of Israel. Looking ahead at what's happening in the Middle East and what direction it might take, I believe that this war is going to do two things. First, we're seeing our world become more divided than ever between those who are for Israel and those who are against Israel. We're seeing the dividing lines becoming deeper and deeper. The war has taken the mask off those who have tried to hide their anti-Semitism and those who hate Israel and the Jewish people. They're no longer ashamed to identify with that. 
and we're seeing it all over social media and we're seeing it all over the news network. Those who hate Israel are chiming in with Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran. So we're going to see anti-Semitism explode more than ever. And the second thing I believe is happening is that this war is setting the stage for the future war described in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Right now, you've got one terrorist group, Hamas, attacking Israel. But there's going to come a day where several nations all come together and attack Israel in what will be a much bigger and much more devastating war. And what we're seeing happen is that Israel is being condemned for trying to defend itself. Israel is trying to protect itself. And so they're going into Gaza and they're trying to uproot Hamas. What's happening is the Muslim world is all being galvanized together in a united condemnation of Israel. And they're saying that the Palestinians are the victims here. So what we're seeing the war do is galvanize these nations together, these Muslim nations that have not necessarily gotten along well in the past, like Iran and Turkey have been enemies in the past, but their mutual condemnation of Israel is drawing them closer together. And this will be a force that draws these nations together and eventually plan their future attack on Israel. Steve, how would you encourage pastors and teachers to handle what we're talking about, assuming that this is going to go on for some weeks or months? We don't know at this point if it's even going to spread. I've had Mark Hitchcock on with me a few weeks ago who gave an outline of four-point plan, and he had taken it from some authorities in the Middle East, with Iran actually eventually getting fully involved. I go back to my question How would you encourage pastors and teachers to handle this? Because we can't just sweep it under the rug, and that's what's happening now. It is being swept under the rug, unfortunately. And sad to say, a lot of Christians today don't have the right perspective on Israel because they've never been taught Bible prophecy. One of the things that Bible prophecy does shows how God is working through Israel, what God's plans are for Israel. And Bible prophecy helps Christians to have a right love for Israel. God loves his chosen people, and we should love them too. My encouragement to Christians who are trying to figure out what's going on, basically three things. One, we need to help Christians understand the truth behind all the false narratives we hear in the media about Israel. They're painting Israel as an aggressor nation, as an oppressor of the Palestinians. But what a lot of people don't realize is that Gaza is self-governed by Hamas. Israel has no involvement in Gaza, and Israel has no control over what Hezbollah is doing in Lebanon or what Iran is doing in Iraq. So there's a lot of ignorance about the real facts behind what's going on, that Israel is not an aggressor, it's not an oppressor. If anything, Hamas was the aggressor, and we saw that happen on October 7th. So we need to help Christians understand the truth of what's going on. Second, we need to help Christians understand why peace is impossible. Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, and Syria are all wanting to eradicate Israel. They want to wipe it out. And here the Western world is saying, hey, Israel, let's have two states exist side by side in peace, a Palestinian state and a Jewish state. But what we saw happen on October 7 proved that that's impossible. Muslim extremists want to eradicate Israel. They want everything from the river to the sea. And we need to be standing for Israel's right to defend itself. Third, and I think the most important thing of all, is that we need to study what Scripture says about God's promises to Israel. One of the most important things that Christians need to know is that Scripture tells us repeatedly that God has not rejected his people. They automatically assume the Jewish people rejected Christ, he went to the cross, he was crucified, the church was born afterward, and so God has set Israel aside. But if you read the Scriptures carefully, Scripture actually says, no, God has not rejected his people. He is not changing his plan. He is still working through them. 
there is still a remnant today that God is working through. So as we study Israel's prominent place in God's plan, we come to understand we should be supporting that. We should be seeing this from God's perspective. And as we study about God's own love for Israel, we too will grow in our love for Israel. We need to be better informed as Christians about what Scripture says about Israel. You can find the book One Day Nearer, Daily Devotions in Anticipation of Jesus' Glorious Return. You can call my office, Central Time. Find it in my store, olivetreeviews.org, olivetreeviews.org. Be sure to check out Steve Miller's podcast for Shadows Report. You can learn about that and much more at stevemillerresources.com, stevemillerresources.com. I'm going to throw in one more clip. Here we have Jeff Kinley weighing into the crisis, particularly zeroing in on the Middle East. Jeff Kinley, you were one of the first names I thought of over the weekend when this invasion uh, from Hamas into Israel unfolded for a variety of reasons. Uh, but as a as a prophecy expert, and I just want to mention this, we're going to get into it after, you host a show, a great show called Prophecy Pros Podcast. You also have um, a litany of books, but the latest is God's Grand Finale, where you talk about a lot of these end times themes. But as a prophecy expert, what has been going through your mind since seeing the news on Saturday morning? Well, I'd just say this. We were scheduled to fly into Tel Aviv and, and right this moment that you and I are speaking. And so that, that was the first thing on my mind is that, well, uh, God's timing and, and just protecting us uh, from getting there. But um, I think to me, Billy, it's really just confirmation that we're living in the last days. I mean, the Bible prophesies so much about Israel, conflict in Israel, wars and rumors of wars that are going to take place, earthquakes that are happening right now. All these things that are happening are the precursors, I believe, to the actual end times events that we see in, in Revelation uh, chapter 6 or 18. So in my mind, it's just more confirmation uh, that we're living in very volatile times, but times that are very prophetic as well. Yeah. And, and you know, there are a lot of people right now who are watching this and they're curious. They want to understand the history. And we're going to get into a little bit of that. We can't tackle all of it. It's a very deep and long history. Um, but about this land, about this area, about this conflict, what do you say to those who they watch these events and they say, oh, well, there's always conflict. There's always things going on. You know, this has nothing to do with the end times. They just sort of not that not that this definitively does, you know, but they just sort of dismiss it outright. What do you say to those people? Well, I'll just say this, that all the events in the past 2,000 years have been in the context where there hasn't been a nation Israel. And now that there is a nation, they're in the land, uh, there's been nothing but conflict since then because uh, Satan and those surrounding nations do not want them to occupy the land that God promised uh, to Abraham. And so there, there's been constant conflict. I mean, Satan is very territorial. And then God promised that land to uh, to Abraham. And so I think that's one of the things that really is a telltale sign. It's like this, Billy. I say that when your check engine light comes on in your car, you really need to pay attention to that. Well, God's flashing the check engine light on history and on the nations right now, and particularly Israel. So we do need to pay attention to it. Steve Miller, he says Satan is territorial, but you know, God is territorial. He calls it his land, Leviticus 25. It's his land. He gave it to the descendants of Abraham. And certain people, and starting with Satan, have not been happy since that happened millennia ago. Satan has been determined to wipe out Israel. Satan did not want Christ to go to the cross. Satan has deliberately played into Israel, falling into idolatry and rebelling from God, because Satan wants to do everything he can to keep 
Israel from helping God fulfill his plan. God's plan was to send a savior through the nation of Israel. Satan knew that. If he could destroy the nation of Israel, he could keep the savior from coming, or so he thought. But even though Israel was a rebellious nation, God was still able to work through the people, and he was still able to preserve his plan. There was nothing that Israel could do to derail God's plan. God's plans were fulfilled. Christ was born, lived, and he went to the cross. When Satan tempted Christ in the wilderness, it was because he wanted Christ to stumble. He wanted to keep Christ from fulfilling his mission. And even today, Satan spreads lies and misinformation about Israel so that we don't have a clear view of what God desires to do in the future. But back in World War II, there were a lot of people who thought, well, maybe this is it. Maybe we're in the end times right now because of how tragically bad things were. But Israel wasn't a nation yet, so it wasn't time. Because if we look at Bible prophecy, we see that in order for the end times to take place, Israel has to be a nation first. Israel as a nation is the stage on which the end times play out. And as we see Israel as a nation today, and as we see the wars that are taking place there, we look to scripture and we realize there are more wars prophesied in the future, including the Ezekiel 38 war and including the campaign of Armageddon. This is God showing himself that everything is happening exactly the way he said it would. This is God proving his sovereignty. And that's what's so amazing about Bible prophecy. And that's why it's so important that we understand what's going on in Israel today. Steve Miller, I'm down to a minute or two here, but I want your comment anyway, because we're heading into 2024. Some major topics, I think, for 2024, again, probably be digital currency, artificial intelligence, the celebration of the aberrant, this global anti-Semitism likely going to be another ongoing story in 2024. Amazing. A nation the size of New Jersey. Population, I don't even know if it's quite 15 million people. The nations are raging around the world because of the small land and the small population. But give me a sentence or two where you think things are going here in the coming new year. I agree completely with all of the things you talked about, the digital currency, the hatred toward Israel. And I think the most important thing we need to pay attention to, what ties all of this together, is that our world is becoming more and more dysfunctional. And the more dysfunctional it becomes, the more desperate people will be for a leader who can fix those problems. And that creates a vacuum, the perfect opening for the Antichrist to step on the scene and say, if you are willing to give up your freedom, I can fix these problems for you. You just hit the nail on the head. Everything is Antichrist-esque these days because the tribulation is absolutely on the horizon. Folks, learn more at stevemillerresources.com. Call my office for more information on the book because every devotion is focused on the King's coming. Very, very encouraging to the point where I want to go out of the program. I haven't used this saying in a long time. I think it's very appropriate that we do today. When the time was right, the sea parted, the walls fell down, the lions went hungry, the sun stood still, the waves were calm, the stone was rolled away. The clouds were parted and the Lord ascended. And when the time is right, the King of Kings will return. God is never early. He is never late. He's always right on time. And his plan for you is good. I want you to focus on that last few words, folks. His plan for you is good in spite of all the chaos surrounding us. I want to thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Jesus, Contact us through our website, olivetreeviews.org. 
That's olivetreeviews.org. Call us Central Time at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. We get our mail when you write to Olive Tree Ministries in Jan Markell, Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. That's Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. All gifts are tax deductible. Daniel 12 reminds us that the wise will understand, the people of God will understand, when the countdown begins and the church age begins to wind down. It is a privilege and a challenge to be born for such a time as this as we watch all things fall into place. Yeah.